The following program on KWNK is made possible by the Biology Department at the University of Nevada, Reno. Earn a graduate degree in biology, cell and molecular biology, ecology, evolution and conservation biology, or neuroscience. Learn more. Reach farther. Get more information at unr.edu biology. Welcome back to Honest Scientists Discussions with Tasa, Lauren, Yvonne, and Ronnie, graduate students at the University of Nevada, Reno. We continue our discussions on resource extraction. In our previous episode, we discussed mining. In this episode, we discuss part one of hunting and fishing, which is another significant source of resource extraction. Hi, everyone. Great to be back with you all. Tesa will kick off our discussion. So I've lived in the Reno area for over a decade, and I worked over 30-plus side jobs while completing my education, many of them in service. Many of these types of jobs greatly benefit from a variety of conventions which come to Reno, which bring in hundreds of tourists ready to spend their money. While these are a huge boost to our local economy, the types of hobbies they represent are much more controversial. So one such organization comes to mind, the Safari Club International, which brings around $20 million to the local area, according to the Reno Sparks Convention and Visitors Authority. In past years, they held their massive convention at one of the local casinos, for which they commissioned all sorts of animal-related activities to make their event more quote-unquote wild. They had performers dressed in elaborate animal costumes. They displayed stuffed animals around their auction tables. They also projected elephants and tigers and giraffes walking around onto their convention walls. Looked very majestic in their natural habitat. While the atmosphere screamed love for wildlife, in reality their hobby was not to conserve animals as much as to kill them. Having worked at such an event, I heard numerous boasts of trophy kills, which made me wonder where the word conservation comes from in their mission statement. This made me want to dig a little bit deeper into their organization. Now, SCI has approximately 50,000 members in their uh, 200 chapters across all 50 states, as well as 106 other countries. As mentioned on their website, they vote in federal and state and local elections to, as they say, protect their hunting opportunities, two, to conserve their nation's wildlife, and three, to conserve wildlife all around the world. Which leads me to ask, can you possibly be both a killer and a conservationist at the same time? Hmm, that might be tricky. Right? The extent of trophy killing of this organization is quite extraordinary. According to Business Insider, in 2020, Safari Club International advertised its four-day convention as Hunter's Heaven. Its online auction featured expedition to shoot elephants, crocodiles, and giraffes, as well as their grand prize of a week-long Sitka black-tailed deer hunt in Alaska with Donald Trump Jr. and his son. This bid was at $10,000 and rising at the time of the publication of the article in 2020. Now, that's a lot of money. As for their conservation endeavors, they boast on their website, since 2000, we have put over $70 million of $100 to work on over 100 conservation projects in 30 countries. Their rationalization? 
The killing of one particular animal justifies the saving of many others. Now, as for their advocacy, in their blog from January 2020, earlier this year, they discussed a number of issues they are tackling, including one on trophy bans, which several state legislatures introduced to ban international imports for hunted elephants and lions from Tanzania, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. Their argument? Well, that their ability to hunt helps local communities combat lion and elephant attacks. Now, conservation through killing may be a good way to spin the argument for trophy hunting. However, at what cost of losing these majestic, beautiful species? You know, I receive alerts from the Center of Biological Diversity, which is a 501c3. And here is some of what they have recently reported. Trophy hunters from the United States play a large role in killing African mammals for sport. As a result... Savannah elephants have declined by 30%. Each year, thousands of native carnivores, including coyote, fox, bobcat, mountain lion, and the wolf, uh, and other wildlife, suffer and die in cruel killing contests. Lobster fishing poses a dire threat to the critically endangered North Atlantic right whale, which has declined to only 336 individuals. Commercial whalers had already hunted the large baling whale to the brink of extinction in the 1890s. These animals got their name from being the right whales to hunt because they floated when they were killed. Because of the extreme danger lead poses to people and the environment, it's no longer used in a wide range of products like gasoline and paint, but This dangerous heavy metal is still found in hunting ammunition and fishing tackle. So animals who ingest spent lead bullets or lead fishing tackle can can suffer from poisoning for years before dying painfully. In northeastern Washington, four wolves were found dead earlier this year along a snowmobile path. And then recently, another wolf had been poisoned. So I contacted a WDFW, which is Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, and they confirmed both incidents. But they indicated that these incidents were lowest in Washington, followed by Oregon, than the three Rocky Mountain states, Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming, which regularly kill 25 to 35 percent of their wolf populations each year. And Idaho and Montana implemented increasing aggressive hunting policies in 2021. Uh, For example, 494 wolves were killed in Idaho in 2021. And now Idaho wants to allow wolves to be killed while dinning with their pups. And Idaho has paid out hundreds of bounties to wolf hunters. A litter of pups weighing just three to eight pounds were killed. Montana allowed a single individual to hunt down and trap 20 wolves. Canada hosts an annual shark derby event every August in which hundreds of anglers pay for a chance to land one of the top marine predators. Now, these fishing derbies do occur in the United States as well. So, Is shooting wolves, bears, mountain lions, and their offspring hunting? Or is this poaching? Not for sustenance. Should this be permitted? Tolerated? For some reason, man prefers to hunt or simply eliminate 
top predators, which are very ecologically important, rather than hunting, say, insects, which are more abundant and high in protein. We must have top predators on land, in the air, and at sea. Oh, Ronnie, those statistics are baffling, which makes me ask, well, why do hunters hunt? The psychology behind trophy hunting is super interesting. Studies researching hunters include a number of approaches. So, for example, analyzing hunter blogs, where hunters are free to share their achievements with others who share their hobbies. So researchers analyzed hundreds of their posts and coded words which were most frequent. The results showed that many hunters refer to hunting broadly as harvesting rather than killing, which obviously has a slightly more positive connotation. They also refer to hunting as a primal instinct, that man was born to hunt big prey and show what man is capable of. Now, while blogs are a great way to get into the psyche of the hunter, they're often self-biased and inflated, and therefore researchers look at other physiological means to analyze hunters, such as the genuineness of their smile in their trophy photo. So there's actually a difference between a genuine smile called the Duchenne smile, which involves both the spontaneous eye and mouth muscle activation, and the conscious, deliberate smile. We've seen those. We've all seen those. After analyzing thousands of photos, researchers concluded that a genuine smiles were significantly more likely when hunters were photographed with prey than without prey. They were also significantly more likely when hunters posed with large prey compared to small prey. And older hunters even showed more genuine smiles than younger hunters, even more so when it came to posing with carnivores rather than herbivores. Now, what is more interesting is that old hunters actually show more satisfaction displaying large, dangerous prey than when posing with small or herbivorous prey, suggesting achievement-oriented satisfaction does not decrease with age. Now, the final focus of the psychological research I want to tell you about is centered on justification, because a question which resonates with me most is how hunters justify killing. Now, research shows that while some hunters use the excuse that this animal was endangering human society, so such as like killing nearby villagers or ravaging food supplies or the like, others claim that they do it in the name of population control. Well, this animal is overpopulating this environment, so I have to make sure I get rid of it. Now, the most interesting class of hunters don't even get caught up in justification at all because they simply do not want to debate it or even admit the fact that they're doing something wrong. That's crazy. That was fantastic perspective, Tesa. Now, clearly, there are humans that hunt for sustenance. Lauren, what do we know about that? Well, humans are animals, too. We evolved to hunt other animals and eat plants that existed in our ecosystems. So obviously, the original reason for hunting was survival. We needed to eat. Some modern hunters are still subsistence hunters, meaning that they truly do rely on hunting to feed themselves and their families. In my opinion, that is the ethical way to hunt, to obtain food to feed yourself and your family, not letting the animal go to waste. Many argue that if we are going to eat meat, the most environmentally friendly way to do that is to hunt animals in their natural habitats. That would only be the case if the human population was a small fraction of what it is today. Since there are so many of us, there is no way that natural populations of animals could provide enough meat especially considering how much meat the average person in the U.S. consumes. Hunting and fishing is a difficult topic because these activities are such important parts of some people's lives. 
When I lived in western North Carolina, doing bird-related work, I was camping near a stream in the southern Appalachian Mountains when I met a couple locals. One of them was probably in his 60s or 70s and said that he had been fishing that stream his whole life. They invited me to share dinner with them, fresh fried trout from the stream nearby, and ramps, which are like wild onions. They asked me why I was there, and I told them that I was studying a small songbird called a golden-winged warbler that was becoming more and more rare in the area. To my surprise, they were very interested and began talking about the decline of other wildlife in the area that they had witnessed in their lifetimes, including decreases in the size and numbers of the trout in the stream. These people were so intimately tied to the land through fishing and foraging that they were paying attention to ecosystem changes that most other people wouldn't notice. Now, despite many people having good intentions when hunting or fishing, there are also many people that hunt purely for sport and people that hunt unethically. Additionally, even those with the best intentions may have a negative impact simply because there are so many humans extracting resources from our planet. You know, you may not think of hunting as resource extraction, but the whole organism is removed from the ecosystem. There's nothing left for scavengers or decomposers. Thus, carbon or other nutrients are not distributed through trophic levels or returned to the soil for plants and important microscopic organisms. You might ask, what exactly are the resources being extracted? Overwhelmingly, vertebrates are being removed from natural environments, specifically birds, fish, mammals, and even reptiles, snake or alligator. Again, ecosystems must have top predators on land, in the air, and at sea. Taysa, what does big game hunting look like right here in Nevada? Hunting dates vary depending on various features such as uh, the type of weapon or whether the animal is with uh, has antlers or doesn't have antlers. So I will give you a few examples for both hunting and mating seasons. And please take very special note of their mating season dates. So, for example, antelope hunting season is late August to early September, with their mating season taking place around August to October. Uh, Nelsonian bighorn she hunting happens around October to as late as January, with mating season taking place around July to December. Elk is hunted around October to December, with mating season sometime around September to October. Now, many factors go into mating seasons, so um, they depend on uh, location and temperature. So, for example, if it's really cold outside, this will result in early mating. Now, as you may have noted, the point is that hunting seasons occur simultaneously or overlap with mating seasons. Hunting seasons of some species may show a mismatch between hunting and important biological seasons, such as mating or births which can have serious consequences for populations and ecosystems. I only discuss hunting for a few ungulate or like hoofed species, but not included here are birds or fowl, small mammals, predators like mountain lions, fur bearers, we all know how much we love fur, and their biological seasons. Note that coyote, black-tailed jackrabbit, Badger, weasels, spotted skunk, striped skunk, raccoon, and the ring-tailed cat can be hunted at any time of the year, without a permit, in many instances of Nevada. You know what, Tessa? These animals are intelligent. In Oregon, during hunting season, the deer appear at the ranger station uh, and stay throughout the hunting season. 
they know that they will not be hunted there, not by humans and not by non-humans. You know, Ronnie, I actually noticed this on the Appalachian Trail as well. The white-tailed deer were much less shy around the trail, where they knew they wouldn't be hunted. This concludes part one of Hunting and Fishing. Please join us next time as we continue our discussion on resource extraction with a focus on part two of Hunting and Fishing, which is another significant source of resource extraction. Today, we are recording with KWNK Broadcasting in Reno, Nevada. Thank you, K-Wink, for recording and broadcasting our roundtable discussion. We would also like to thank Chris Holman for his hard work in editing. That was Honest Scientists on KWNK 97.7 FM, presented by the Biology Department at the University of Nevada, Reno. Earn a graduate degree in biology, cell and molecular biology, ecology, evolution and conservation biology, or neuroscience. Learn more, reach farther. Get more information at unr.edu biology.